For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yo, how many plays you got left in you, man? Ooh, I got 15. 15. Fifteen. Oh, hey, hey, that's a that's a good amount. The Niners may need it on Sunday. Beast mode's coming back. I think Ed can make a cameo as well. Fifteen. That might be more than than Beast mode gets on Sunday. Hey, but you know what though? The difference between me and Beast mode, all fifteen of mine got to be in the red zone. In the red <laughs> red zone only. This is <laughs> the Believe in Forty ers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He is Super Bowl champion. Eric Davis, I'm Rashad Haylock, and you're going to have to be well-rested for those 15 plays in the red zone, ED. You got to get your rest, big dog. How you going to do it? How we going to do it? This is how we're going to do it. I'm gonna list- I want you to listen to these studies from Harvard and John Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation is shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. None of those things are good for you. And how do you stop that? Let's get eight hours of sleep. The body needs it, man. But one of the biggest problems, Rashawn, temperature. Temperature. I mean, you know, it's tough to get a good night of sleep when you're too hot. So let me tell you about the Pod 8 Sleep. The Pod 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed. It's designed specifically to help you achieve your optimal sleep fitness. Uh, Designers tracking 43 million hours of sleep. These researchers combine dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance the recovery and your rest. So it learns the way you sleep. It learns your habits. It adjusts the temperature automatically. So if you like a bed cool, the person you're sleeping with, they like the bed warm. That means you can both have it at the exact same time in a crazy comfortable bed. No complaining, no elbowing, no shoving. No pull the covers off, so you get to sleep longer and deeper, and you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. So, try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, Rashawn will come and pick it up. You get a full refund of your purchase, and you can arrange your pickup. Rashawn and the U-Haul will be there. We on the way. But, listen to this. I doubt if it's going to happen because they're going fast. The first two batches have already sold out. So for a limited time only, you get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That is E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. It Check won't, it out. It won't happen. Once you get cozy in that bed for 100 days, that's that's hey that's a, a, a third of the year. <laughs> Once that happens, you won't be calling me. You think won't about it, man. Absolute, absolute. So ED is going to be all fresh and ready for his 15 plays coming up on Sunday. Big game, big, big game. Earlier in the week, we talked about it being NFC Championship game. I'm not going to uh, go back on that that whole thing, even though the number one seed is definitely up for grabs for the Niners. The Seahawks, because of that loss, they're going to need some help, even with a win, that doesn't that doesn't mean they get home field advantage throughout. Doesn't mean that they clinch the number one seed. So there's a myriad of, of places they can land uh, with the win, with the loss. They they will end up in the number five seed. For the Niners, it's either the one or the five. But the Packers have an opportunity to get the uh, number one seed with a Niners uh, loss. The irony of that, right? Um, this has become a rivalry in a short. A very short span, but but this is also a a, a series that has been controlled by uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they've won ten of the last eleven uh, since Pete Carroll's been there. He's thirteen and six against the 49ers uh, in this series. So we're going to talk about this one. We're going to break it down. We're going to have Joe Fan from. Uh, NBC Sports Northwest. He's the Seahawks insider up there in the Great Pacific Northwest. He'll be on in a little bit to to help us break this thing down, Ed. But um, 
I guess the big news this week is is Marshawn Lynch, and we're going to talk to yeah. Joe Fan about this as well. But how interesting is this? I mean, you look at they bring back Lynch, they bring back Turbin, a guy who hadn't played since um, 2018 either, and they're just depleted at that running back position. But but a guy like Marshawn Lynch, who's so beloved up there, what what can that do for a locker room? Uh, well, first of all, it's just a familiar face, and it's a, it's a respected, familiar face, so that helps out uh, in, in the locker room. It even helps out the young guys um, because you get a group of guys, you know, some of these guys, they, they know the legend of, but they don't know the player and haven't seen him and, and how he conducts things. So a lot of that and the juice that it's going to add to the building, that in itself, it helps um, from that from that perspective, when you're looking at going into a game against a team that really, if you go player to player and you stack, you know, you go, you know, X for O, the Niners are better. They, they, they have, the, the Niners have the, the, the health, a healthy Niners roster is the best roster in the NFC and maybe in the NFL. They're a, a healthy roster. So Seattle gets that juice from Turbin and from Bismo. But at the end of the day, man, it's it's you you asked me at the beginning, how many plays do I have in me? It's about it's about those plays on the field. What can you actually do? And I'm not and I'm not sure if it's gonna make that much of a difference personally. The it's interesting you say that about the Niners roster, and and I don't disagree with you in a sense that you know a healthy Niners roster, and they showed it throughout the majority of this season, the best team in the NFL. Um, and and Dieter Kurtenbach, I hope I'm saying his name right. He he writes for the the Bay Area News Group, put out a a pretty <laughs> a pretty confident column uh, earlier this week about how. Uh, he predicts this game to be a blowout. Um, you look at the Seahawks team, you look at their roster, and, you know, obviously you got Russell Wilson, who is MVP candidate. You got Bobby Wagner, you know, maybe the best middle linebacker in all of football. Um, Jadavion Clowney over there on defense. But you look at look at that offensive side of the ball, um, and you look at this team, all the close games that they've played, um, and, and just their, their point differential. Um it, it, with the Seahawks, it's it's just it's not what you would expect from a team that is fighting for a number one seed, right? Um, okay, you see, I see that differently. I, I can I see that completely different because the league is about winning and knowing how to win those games. And when you're a good team, teams play you closely. We say that a lot about the Niners, where yeah, there have been some blowouts in there, but you have oppor- you have times where things are a lot tougher than the final score. Uh, shows on paper and then that's what's happened when teams when teams legitimately look at you as a contender they play you really hard and unlike the 49ers uh, this season uh, people didn't doubt Seattle they don't doubt the fact that Seattle can win so that that's why I see it differently even the, the Niners were the only undefeated team in the league and people were still saying well they're fake Seattle Regardless, people always say, well, you know what, man, you got to worry about Russ and they have a shot. So that that's why I don't see that point differential being one of these things that says they're not a good team. They're 10 and 1 in those games. Pete Carroll, I know this personally. He's a very good teacher. He's a coaching is teaching and he is a very, very good teacher. So when you have young players, he can get them to understand what it is he needs them to do to be successful. Veteran players, he can teach you how to maximize what, uh, what the ability that you have to shine within the system that you're playing in. And when you have that and a coach that can put the players in a, in a comfortable position to do what they do well, you see guys truly reach their potential. And that's why you get a Tyler Lockett doing that. That's why you get a team in those close games that are able to find a way to make that play and believe that they can make that play uh, because it starts with that whole teaching and understanding of what you're supposed to do, why you're supposed to do it, and how it's best for you to get it done. And that's a real thing, man. I mean, he, I, I'm, I've been asked like my better coaches that I had throughout my career and I tell everyone, Ray Roach, he drafted me. He taught me the techniques of playing. 
the game. He was my original DB coach that taught me football at an NFL level and how to how to play the position. Because I told you before, I I came in. I didn't have a lot of bad habits because all I played was cat coverage. Cat. <laughs> cat you coverage. Know, yeah, E, you cover that cat, Pony. You cover that cat over there, Daryl Malone, my other corner. Pony, you cover that cat. That was it. So I didn't have a lot of habits, but I had to learn the game. He taught me. Now, fast forward to Pete coming in as my defensive coordinator. And the lessons that I had learned from Ray Bob and from Jeff Fisher and and uh, Tom Holm, all these guys. He came, he came in and basically showed me how to not be a good player consistent player but an all pro player based on my ability and how to utilize it on the field that's what he does so i know you know my stories but i bring them back back to Pete care that's why this team and his teams are always competitive because because just that he understands this is what you can do he can they he gets his coaches to pinpoint what a player can do well how does that fit within our system? Once you know how that player fits within the system, now it's going back to the player. Let's maximize what you do well and make certain that we maximize your understanding of the system as well. Then you get the best. I actually think that's something that has spread over to the Niners now. You look at what's happening with the players even with, you know, with uh, Witherspoon, with um, Eman, you see what's um, happening, uh, Mostert. You, you flip back to defense, and, and you can look at um, Jaquaski Tard, um, I mean, Ward, all these guys that people were saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe they need to be replaced. This guy's not good enough. This guy's not that. It, look how guys are developing. Look how guys are starting to consistently make plays at a lot of different positions, how they're developing guys. That's about people understanding what they're supposed to do and, and how to do it. I, I, I think we're starting to see that happen with this coaching staff. And that's, that's a major part of being successful, man. You got to have talent, but the talent has to know how to use their talent. Yeah. It, it's, and it, it's about, not only is it about fit, but it's about system. And some of the, some of the great coaches, they, some of the great coaches, they don't make, players fit into their system they make their system fit around their players and I think I think you're absolutely right I think that's that's kind of what we're seeing here with the 49 I mean look at a guy like Raheem Mostert who's who's been with you know a handful of teams in the league already you look at guys uh on this roster who are contributing you know guys like Matt Breida who's undrafted um you know it 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 just speaks to you know what, what the job that that this this team has done um, and you know, can I can I say one add one thing to what you just said? Where, where your comment about coaches not making players fit into their system, but fitting the system around the players. Yeah. The only the only caveat I would ask to that, I, I agree, I disagree with that slightly, um, because yes, you have to you you have to t- tweak your system if you don't have players to get it done. That's what we talked about the Rams this year. The Rams are still trying to do the exact same thing they did, but they don't have the roster to do it. That's when you have to switch your system. I think what a really good coach does. Yeah, and they're talking about getting rid of Wade, which is crazy to me. That is insane to me. The defense, I don't think, has been the yeah. problem, but that that's neither here nor there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, well, you got to blame it on somebody. Yeah. And you can't blame it on so, – so look at this. <laughs> we'll get off the Rams because who cares? I'm sorry as Rams. But <laughs> if um, – but if you if you are if you are the general manager that hired the star offensive coordinator to be your offensive head coach, things don't work out. Who do you blame it on? It's got to be the defense because you can't blame it on your head coach if you're the GM because you get fired too. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You just got, you just got to know the business of it. So you you say it's crazy that that they're blaming it on Wade. You're right. He doesn't have to be the problem, but he's going to be the first one to go because remember those other guys are trying to keep their job. Yeah. And you got to blame some, you got to walk into Stan Kroenke's office and say it's somebody's fault. Remember I told you. You win as a team. If you lose, it's, it's fault. somebody's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Yeah, so now but back to what I was saying about that those coaches, I think and that's that's it ties in what I'm saying with Pete and what I think is happening now and we'll see if it can consistent it's been consistent in Seattle. 
it needs to be a consistent thing for the 49ers to really go on a run here for the next few years. And that's about having a system, but also as opposed to tweaking your system around the players, if you have a good solid system like the 49ers that I came up with had, then what you do is that, yes, you do try to find players that can function within your system, but this is the thing. You have freedom within the system. Once you understand what it is, and that's the most important thing, that goes back to the teaching. You have to teach a player what it is you're supposed to do. But more importantly, Rashawn, as a player, the most important thing to know is not what you're supposed to do, but who you screw up when you don't do it. Yeah. So that's the thing. You have to understand the entire system and how all the pieces fit. There are 22 guys on the field and you got to know how it all works together. And once you can, and once you get a player to understand that, that's a coach's job. That's how you help a player develop. You get them to see the matrix and understand everything that's happening. So now Eric Davis and, you know, case in point, Hey, 25, now that I know that you can do this, there were things that I could do with my body. I've, I've had conversations with these guys, like Toy Cook and I used to talk about it, where I could I could turn my body and tweak my body and twist and do things that he just simply couldn't do. There were things that I could that I could work out in zones in in man coverage because of that, and that's the thing that I say. It's about understanding and teaching that player how to and how and when to break the rules within the system that's when i think systems reach their maximum okay now let's go and let's try not to bring up the rams anymore (laughs) we will certainly try not to do that (laughs) joe fan coming up in just a sec but some housekeeping to do first of course this is the believe in 49ers podcast on the believe podcast network wherever you're listening to us is where you can find us. We're located wherever you listen, wherever you consume your podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button uh, if your if if your your platform requires you to do so, or go ahead and subscribe uh, if you're if you're listening on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, give us give us a follow and give us a review. Let us know what's going on. Your likes, your dislikes, uh, this, that, and the other things you want to know or, or want to hear from this program uh, as we continue to evolve here. And now someone who knows a lot about both sides of this robbery. He used to work for the 49ers, but acquired by the Pacific Northwest in exchange for future picks and cash considerations. <laughs> None other than Joe Fan, Seahawks insider for NBC Sports Northwest. Joe, appreciate you for taking the time, my man. Thanks so much for joining us here. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Unfortunately, I don't think the Niners got anything in return, which is a real shame. You know, I think it just goes – I think they were actually looking to move me, and so they were like, hey, let's just create a cap space and move on. And it's working out really well right now, given that they had their one game away from claiming the number one seed in the NFC. <laughs> awesome, man, awesome. So now you're you're up there covering the, the Seahawks for NBC Sports Northwest. Um I guess the 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 big new right this is a huge game obviously number 1 seed on the line for the Niners still a chance for the Seahawks to uh, to claim that number 1 seed as well but um all of a sudden uh, uh, beast mode is back um what what type of energy what type of enthusiasm how how much has just just the overall aura of this team changed within the last few days since you know since he's come back aboard yeah i think it just what was really important is it helped everybody turn the page i mean you know, not just fans, but I think the players and coaches as well, you know, you get embarrassed at home against the Cardinals um, and you're not feeling great about yourself and the injuries are mounting and uh, all of a sudden beast mode comes back in the building and it just kind of gives you this nostalgia, this feeling of, you know what, Russell Wilson is, is back there, beast mode is back there, who knows what can happen. Um, and so I just think it helped everyone turn the page from an emotional standpoint to just provide a little bit of hope. And I think if everyone's being honest with themselves, you know, they understand that the uh, the emotional value of Marshawn Lynch is probably greater than the production value you're going to get on Sunday. But, you know, regardless, just that that kind of a, a morale boost and shot in the arm alone, you know, makes it a worthwhile addition. Yeah, well, you beat me to it, Joe, right there. I, I was going to go with the, the reality of it. Uh, beast mode. Uh, his entire game is about the physicality and, and and that right there is a mindset. And it requires a certain amount of conditioning f- 
physically and mentally. Yeah, he brought an emotional plug, but how how much you just touched on it? How much do you actually think he? How much do you actually plan on seeing him out there on the field actually contributing? I plan on seeing him a decent amount. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like you got to win this game, and you've got him on your roster now. And so, you know, don't worry about his second game. You know, get him through the first game <laughs> first. And so, you know, I, I think it, it is true. I think Marshawn Lynch is one of those guys where uh, do you really want to be the guy who doubts Marshawn Lynch? Um, you know, I think he put up pretty good numbers before suffering that groin injury with the Raiders last year. Yes, I'm sure he's not in the shape he would like to be. But at the same time, like, this dude is beast mode for a reason. And, you know, he's just a really good football player, really smart football player, and a guy who loves the game. And so, you know, I wouldn't expect or I wouldn't be surprised to see him get 12 or 13 carries and, you know, be a boost in pass protection and, you know, get, you know, get the ball in clutch moments in the red zone. You know, I think, you know, he's capable of, of doing it. And it's one of those things that, well, what's the phrase? It's like, I'm not as good as I, as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. You know, it's like, can he just get it going and let adrenaline, um, you know, power him through one game at Century League Field on primetime with a division on the line? And so I think it helps when the stakes are as high as they are, right? You're not coming into a team that's playing for nothing. You know, you're coming into you know, the highest pressure situation, and I think that's only going to help him. Joe? Hey, Joe, I live my life by that phrase. I love it. It's I, a good I, phrase. I, yeah, it's, it's a great phrase. And, and, you know, and I can always pull one good thing out. So, you know, it, it, it always gives you hope. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Joe Fan, Seahawks insider from NBC Sports Northwest, joining us here on the Believe in 49ers podcast. Uh, Joe, go back to the first meeting between these teams, and Russell Wilson talked about it. He said, look, if this is a close game, I like our chances. It favors us. Ended up being a close game. It went into overtime, and, of course, the Seahawks got out of Levi Stadium with the win. Um, but there was no George Kittle in that game. And it's something that Pete Carroll talked about earlier this week in a sense that he's going to face somewhat of a different team just because of the impact that George Kittle has. How have they begun to make adjustments for what they'll face on Sunday with Kittle back in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll said he's their best player, and he's not wrong. Um, you know, it's, you know, George Kittle is a special, special uh, talent. And, you know, I think for the Seahawks, they know he's going to get his, right? I mean, but it's one of those things like, you know Steph Curry's going to get 25, but you can't let him get 50. And so, like, when he's catching his 7 to 10 passes, you've got to make sure they're one contested. Two, you're getting him down right away because the second he gets his legs moving and gets into the open field, I mean, he's an absolute nightmare. And, you know, it's going to take three, four, five guys to bring him down, and that's when he's most dangerous. That's what makes him a great tight end. Uh, from you know to the best tight end in football because he just has that ability that nobody else has between his speed, his power, his strength, his mindset. Um, I mean, he is just a different cat um, with plenty of beast mode in him, if you will. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks know that that he's going to be something that they have to, somebody that they have to account for pre-snap on a play-to-play basis because he can single-handedly beat you. Hey, Joe, I look at this game, uh, and I think it has a ri- – I, I think it's turned into a rivalry, a real one, because rivalries don't really start until I beat you or you beat me when it matters. And these teams have had games that matter. Uh, looking at this moving forward, I personally think, and I've stated it, that the Niners are going to have to beat Seattle uh, to win a championship. I just, I just, That's the way I view them having to go through this team, and that's how good I think Seattle is, even with the injuries. Um, from Seattle's standpoint, from their side of it, being there around these guys, seeing them in the locker room up close, how do they feel about the matchup between this club? Do they think it's a team that that they have to go through to get to where they want to be? I think it's I think it's different. I think it, all the pressures on the Niners, I mean, even though the Seahawks are at home and all that. Um, like you said, I mean, it's been a while since the since the Niners, pardon me, you know, have been on the national stage from a playoff standpoint. And, you know, this game's far more important for San Francisco than it is Seattle because the Packers aren't going to lose to the Lions, which means the Seahawks don't control their own destiny for a first round bye. So they're playing wild card weekend regardless, whether it's at home or on the road. The Niners go from the one seed to the five seed and have to play three straight road games on the way to the Super Bowl if they were to lose this game. And so, you know, given the fact they haven't won in Seattle since 2011, given the fact, you know, that, yes, they've been great all year, but this is the prove it time where you've got to be able to go through 
the team that has been so consistent in this division over the course of the last decade, not just on Sunday, but potentially once more in the playoffs, should these teams meet again, there's a great chance that they do. And so, yeah, I think there's a, there's a degree of, you know, the Seahawks feel like, or the Seahawks fans feel like they're playing with house money a little bit, because I think if they're being honest with themselves, you know, one of these teams has looked like a bona fide contender all season long, that being the Niners and one team, you can't really figure out because at no point or very few points have they really put it all together and felt like, oh, this is a team that can compete for a Super Bowl. You know, you could easily argue this team has been more lucky than good or has played with fire and gotten away with it so much of the season, which is why they're 10-1 and one in one-score games, which is impressive. But it's, again, a double-edged sword where, you know, it tells you you can't put teams away or win games comfortably that you should. And so, um, you know, I think the Seahawks are a little bit, you know, like I said, playing with house money, so to speak. Yeah, you talk about those close games, and, and I mentioned what Russell Wilson said earlier on. How is this team so good in those situations? How they have they garnered so much confidence, you know, through winning in those situations? Is it Pete? Is yeah. it Russell? Like, like, how are they doing this? It's all of it, and I think it comes from experience. Um, it comes from, you know, they're a very level-headed team. They're not a team that gets up and down throughout a game to where, you know, if they're down – um, you know, early you're like, oh, here we go again. They're going to make a, you know, come back late. Now they can be able to get it done. Um, you know, and then, you know, when the games are closer, they start to let things slip away. They don't panic and think, oh my gosh, what's happening. We're about to lose this game. It's like, all right, let's regroup. Let's make this happen. You know, the Carolina game is a perfect example. They're absolutely dominating the Panthers. All of a sudden it's a six point game in the fourth quarter where you have to get a couple of first downs in order to not give the ball back to Carolina. And they do just that. Um, they were able to get a couple of first downs and not have to punt it back and, you know, you ice the game away. And so, um, you know, I think it's been a, a point of frustration for many Seahawks fans, but they understand the mental toughness and makeup of this team. And that starts with the culture that Pete Carroll builds. And it starts with your leaders and Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that is very impressive. And it's been a trait of this team since Pete Carroll took over as head coach. Joe, let's just say beast mode gets his 13, 13- 15 carries and it's not the beast mode of old and you still have to deal with the injury situation at the running back and with no productivity there Uh, looking at this Seattle Seahawks teams if that's the case moving forward how good are they well I've been trying to figure out how good they are all season to be honest with you you know it's are they legit are they fool's gold really what is this team all about and you know I think to me it's far less about the running back position and more about how involved can you get Tyler Lockett? Because when he's cooking and man, there have been points this season where he looks like a top five receiver in the NFL, a bona fide number one, not just his ability to get open and his speed, but you know, he, this guy has made some insane catches throughout this season. And so him and Russell Wilson have this, this uncanny uh, chemistry, especially when they go off script. Um, and so, you know, those two, when they're, when they're cooking, the Seahawks passing game looks like a juggernaut, you know, chunk plays at, you know, at will, so to speak. And, you know, when Russell Wills or when Tyler Lockett's, you know, being able to, you know, you can take him out of the game plan as a defense, all of a sudden it feels like it shuts down Seattle's entire passing game because they really don't have that true number two. You know, they're really missing tight end Will Disley, who's out for the season with Achilles injury. And DK Metcalf, while he's been really tremendous throughout most of the year, isn't there yet to where you're like going to him as like, this is our guy. We can go to him whenever we need a big play. He's a rookie. Um, he's yeah. a rookie, you know? So, like, and that's not a knock on him. He's had a good year, but he's not Tyler Lockett. And you don't have, you know, the, the, the drop-off from where what you have in Lockett to everybody else on the roster from a pass-catching standpoint is so steep that you're so reliant on him to have big game after big game. And you've seen when he doesn't have big games, the passing game falls flat. And so you can't let that happen on Sunday. If I'm a Seahawks fan, that's far more of the concern than it is what's going to happen at running back and what production are you getting there. You wrote, Joe, that Jadavion Clowney will play uh, this Sunday. How effective will he be? Uh, and is this one of those things where if there wasn't so much on the line, he pro- he wouldn't be in the lineup? Yes, absolutely. I mean, he, the only reason he's still playing and isn't on IR is because, you know, he wants to help this team make a playoff push as far as possible. And so, um, you know, he's battling through a lot of pain and he's going to have to have offseason surgery to get it all corrected. I'm sure, um, you know, who knows what 
percentage you're going to put on it in terms of how he's feeling, but just his presence alone is huge. I mean, he's kind of, you know, like what I said about Tyler Lockett in the passing game, it's very similar with Clowney in the pass rush. It's just so anemic without him. Even with him, it's, you know, it's limited in terms of what the personnel you have at defensive line. So it's huge that he'll be out there. They don't win that game in week 10 without him. He absolutely dominated the Niners in that game with five quarterback hits, a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, a touchdown. He's amazing. Uh, that really pulled Seattle off of life support. I mean, that was one. And then even with the, with the numbers as impressive as they were, he was even more dominant than that. I mean, it was, you know, he, he welcomed back Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey off of injury uh, <laughs> very rudely. I mean, they, it was, you know, if there was any rust to shake off, that's not a guy that you want to shake rust off against because he'll make you look silly. And he did all game long. And so, you know, the fact that he's not 100% and, and Staley and McGlinchey are, are back into the swing of things, you, you know, that should be a benefit for the Niners. But definitely uh, it's huge that the Seattle Seahawks have uh, Clowney in the lineup in any capacity. Joe, I played, I played for Pete Carroll. I know exactly how he is with his enthusiasm and rah-rah. Um, but I also know it gets old to people after a while. Uh, you get numb to it. So, you know, the turnover of the roster is always a, a good thing, I think, for him. But with that roster turnover, they lost a lot of star players the last few years. They're sitting here right now. Um, how – into Pete's philosophy is this ball club. Oh, they're all in for sure. Um, and it's a really young team, you know, and I think, you know, I, I don't want to say they're surprising themselves because they would tell you they expect it to be this good and be in this situation. But that's a you know, when, when you, yeah, you know, and when, <laughs> and when you, when you look at, you know, this team and where they're at right now and where they've been throughout the decade and, you know, when they lose, like as like you said, as much talent as they did without ever really having to go through a rebuild, you, know, you got to give some credit to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. That's really impressive, and it's not easy to do. You know, especially when you look at this roster, it's not as talented as other teams around the league, and it's not close. And that's indicated by their point differential and why they're not able to put teams away and why every game is close. But, um, you know, you've got to give him some credit. And I think, you know, when you see the results as a player, especially a young player, right? Like you said, you haven't been around it as long as maybe some other guys who wear, you know, his, uh, the pedisms wear thin, as you say, um, you know, it gives you confidence and it's easier to buy in that way. Joe Fan from NBC Sports Northwest joining us here on the Believe in 49ers podcast. Joe, a million dollar question here. How do you see this thing playing out on Sunday night? I think the Niners win. I think they're the better team. I think they handle business. Um, you know, it's hard to count out Russell Wilson at CenturyLink Field on primetime. You know, he's been so good, not one, one just on, not, not just on primetime, but two, you know, also just, on a, you know, after a loss, I think he's got the best record of any quarterback since he entered the league uh, in weeks after he lost the game. And so, um, you know, it's hard to count him out, but just given the injuries, you know, with, to a team that already wasn't as talented as San Francisco, um, not taking the win away they had in week 10 because it was a tremendous win, really their only signature win of the season. Um, but you look at who San Francisco was missing, so many extenuating circumstances with that Niners team where you say, man, now that they got there, you know, basically a full power, you know, with the loss of Weston Richburg and DJ Jones is huge and D4 is huge. But, you know, we mentioned Kittle and all that. And so uh, I do anticipate the Niners winning this game. Selfishly, I hope it's a close game that makes it more fun to cover, um, you know, because I think it'll set the table for should the Seahawks win in the wild card round, whether it be in Philadelphia or Dallas. Um, you're looking at round three, the rubber match, if you will, uh, the divisional round in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium, which, again, how fitting is that? The first playoff game uh, at Levi Stadium would then be be, be against the Seahawks, Seahawks, which just seems like a script that <laughs> that would be perfect if it played out that way. I think everyone, you hear that, you kind of get chills a little bit imagining what that environment would be like. And so that's kind of my expectation for thing, how things go. And I've been pretty steadfast since week 10 that I, it just kind of feels like, the Niners and Seahawks will play three times this year, and things are set up to where if the Niners win on Sunday, uh, in all likelihood, it will happen. You know what? That was just too perfect for me to even throw anything behind it. You you set the stage perfectly on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. We're gonna have to get you on here more, man. Look at that. And and you know what? Whether the Niners whether the Niners had to buy out your contract or if they got compensation down the road, you either way, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. We're all about the hustle, man. We're trying to climb the ladder, chase dreams. You know what I'm saying? 
There it is. <laughs> the great Joe Fan, NBC Sports Northwest, joining us here on the Believe in 49ers podcast. Joe, happy holidays, my man. Appreciate it. And uh, have fun out there on Sunday night. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you fellas having me on. And, uh, let's definitely do it again. All right, man. Thanks for joining us. You're familiar with Joe Fan because he used to work for the Niners, of course. But yeah. if you're not following him, go ahead and follow him on Twitter. That's at Joe underscore fan. That's at Joe underscore fan. That's fan with two N's. Um, and make sure you uh, check out all the great stuff he has leading up to this game and, and, and down the line as well. My favorite part about that interview, besides, you know, just the great stuff that he brought, uh, Eric dropping a Pete-ism. <laughs> that was that was hilarious. You dro- you dropped the Pete Pete well, you know, on, on everybody. We, well, you know what happened, man. We had, we started off talking about Pete, and he was in my head, and and just think about it. And I and I do have to say, I got a lot of respect for the band and 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 what he's done. I mean, I I know what he did for me as a player. I know what he I know what he did with Sherm. And Browner and that whole group. I, I remember when he drafted those guys, and I was talking to him about them. I mean, Pete and I had Pete and I had conversations about Richard Sherman during training camp of his rookie year, and he was telling me he was like, "E, he was like, I got a group of guys. They're not supposed to be able to do it, but he said I, I just keep putting more and more on them, and they keep soaking it up just like you guys did." And he's like, "And I and I." I'm starting to watch him, and I'm looking at him, and he was like, "I, I think, I think they're gonna be okay." He yeah. was like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything." He was like, "I think they're this group right here that I got that's coming up." He said, "I, I think they're gonna be okay." And then halfway during that season, we had another talk. He was like, "I keep throwing it on them," and he was like, "I think they, I got it." So it's the dude's a very, very good teacher. Um, talent always helps. But he knows he knows how to identify that talent and say, "Okay, go hunt. This is the way you need to hunt." And yeah, so I did. I, I and I knew I knew you would like that Peters. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm here for it. And and, and you you talked about Sherman Brown. I mean, those were that was that was a little somewhat trend setting, uh, if you will, a little bit out of the box, right? You're talking about two long. Physical corners. You they know, the, changed the league. Yeah, the, they the, league. the league hadn't hadn't really seen that. Um, you know, well, not since not since not since the rule changes. Because what what had happened um, after you had the Mel Blunts and the Lester Hayes and the Mike Haynes back in the eighties? You know, with all the stick them and beating guys up, they changed the rules. And uh, Lester Hayes told me himself. He said, "I knew my days were numbered when they put in the the five yard bump rule." <laughs> <laughs> he told me that. He was like, man, I couldn't backpedal. I couldn't play in space. He was like, he, he was like, oh, I knew I was out soon. <laughs> so remember what I said, how the, the rules affect, you know, less talented. Absolutely. Whatever you can't do, it'll get it, 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 it gets exposed in the league. That's what that's what pro sports are about. You have to be efficient at everything to do your job. It's amazing. To, to, play, to, to play, you have to be efficient at everything your job re- uh, requires. To last, you got to be great at something. Yeah. And the and the more things you and so just remember you you have to be efficient at everything, but you got to be great at something, at something. To, to have a to have an extended career. You you got to have one thing that you're great at. The more things you have great that you're great at, that's when you get your Pro Bowls and your All Pros and your Yellow Jackets. It's a, it's but amazing that, that, watching like some of this NFL 100 stuff and seeing some of the footage from you know guys. That play during that era in, in the and a little bit in the in the 80s, but mainly in, in the 70s, and just the stuff that used to be able to get away with. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and, and oh you yeah. Hear, you hear you hear you know multiple guys talk about well you know once this rule changed you know that was pretty much it for me. Um, and, so well, and that's how I always compare ghosts, and, and this is the thing that I see. whenever you're comparing the ghosts because the errors are different. So different. It, it's it's for me if I'm going to compare a wide receiver from the 50s um i I have to do it both ways if i'm going to compare that receiver to a a receiver of the day how would that receiver from the 50s compare with and play within the rules of the day and how would the comparison from today survive the rules of the 50s yeah that's 
that's how you have to do because people always say, oh, this guy, he wasn't that good or, or this, that, and the other. It's like, okay, well, does, you know, does his talent transcend time? Would it work now? That's the way you have to look at it. And, and could the other guy where you're saying that this guy's not as good as someone, like I said, the T.O. argument, that's ridiculous. How can T.O. not be one of the top receivers in the history of this game? Yeah. When, when you are, when you, when you were top five in almost every category um, in every metrics used to um, say who's the best at your position. And on top of that, Look how big T.O. is, man. Yeah, huge. Look how look how T.O. played. T.O. could have played in the 50s. He could have played in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 2000s. T.O. could play right now. T.O. in his prime right now with the way the rules are. The way the rules are right now, T.O. would go off right now. And that's what I say about Jerry Rice and, and Michael Irvin when guys say, you know, rules were different. Like, like come on, please. If, if Jerry Rice played right now, if Michael Irvin played right now, those guys, those Just guys look at the catch- number of catches Jerry Rice had. Man, they'd, and catch, and they'd, have, two, he'd have 200 dude. catches. He had 200 have, catches in the they'd season. Have two, they'd have 2,000, 200, the, the same players. They'd have 2,500 yards a year. Unbelievable. But, but okay, what were we talking about? There we go. We, yeah, we, 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 <laughs> well, let, let's, <laughs> let, let's, let, let's get back to Joe and, and what he, he talked about. Um, we had him on just a little while ago. Appreciate appreciate him taking the time. Yeah, um, yeah. I found it interesting. He picked the he picked the Niners in this one, and, and uh-huh. it's a little it's a little, a little little interesting. I mean, he he is the Seahawks insider for NBC Sports Northwest, so he doesn't work for the Seahawks. So obviously, he has the the liberty the luxury to do so. Had he you know yeah. been a team employee, he probably couldn't openly say, uh, "Yeah, I think the Niners are going to win this game." But he gave us his his honest opinion, and of course, we appreciate that. You know what? Um, you know what? Maybe you know what? Even as a team employee, I used to say that if I thought the Niners were going to lose. I'd be like, okay, this is a tough one. Yeah. I, I would. It was, you know, but I did have to go see the principal a lot, too. <laughs> I did. I did. I had to go see the principal a lot. <laughs> so he oh, – no. he, he, But, but he, he, believe, he believes the Niners can go up there and win on a night in which Beast Mode's coming back. They're bringing back – Brian Bosworth to lift the flag for the 12s. This is a place the Niners haven't won since 2011. I mean, there's – Bring back Bo Jackson and Brian Bosworth won't lift the flag. (laughs) I mean, there's just so many things. I find it interesting that that so many people have the Niners favored by a wide – like he even mentioned, you know, he hopes it's a close game. Like so so many people think the Niners can run away with this thing. Okay, now, so – Earlier, what maybe a week or so ago, I sent out a tweet saying something about the Niners are going to have to beat Seattle. I still um, believe that you. I don't think you win the championship without beating them. And also, I didn't believe that they would win this game. Now that was before all the injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Niners. The, you just heard me say earlier. I think the Niners a healthy roster, and they're getting closer to a healthier roster. Um, it's the best roster without question in the NFC. They're, they're a better team. They have something to play for. Nobody can say that this is a trap game. No one can say that they can overlook this one. There's no way that they won't be prepared for it. And they're going to a place where they're the underdog. They haven't won up there in a long time. 2011. I mean, I was I was announcing games, I think, the last time they won a game up there. Um, it was Christmas Eve, 2011. It was a Saturday night, and, um, and they went so, up there. So, yeah. So, I mean, you need to. This is one that they need to win. As far as Beast Mode and coming back, this the thing about Beast Mode, and and you, and, you know, and I, you know, and Joe was Joe was like, I don't want to be the one to bet against Beast Mode. I'm not betting against Beast Mode. See, this is the thing. He's tough. He, he's he's just a tough dude. That's the way he played. His mindset is tough. And you don't you don't lose tough toughness, just like, you know, fake toughness. You know, everybody sees that. Everyone knows when you're selling wolf tickets. You, if you want to try to if you want to be the studio gangster, everybody sees that, <laughs> you know, you either tough or you not, especially on the football field. You, you're not going to go out. Guys do all the stuff, you know, and talk about it. But you can't punk anybody on the football field. Everybody out there is an alpha. Every guy out there is fearless. So it doesn't work that way. So a tough guy is a tough guy. But this is the thing about toughness, though. I'm not saying that you lose it. Like I said, you don't lose that. 
Beast Mode's never going to lose his toughness. But toughness, you can lose um, your condition for it. You can lose your cardiovascular condition for it. You can lose your mindset, that conditioning that it takes to be able to go out and pound someone and pound someone and pound someone and pound someone and then pound someone again because you haven't done it. Not that it's not in you, but you get conditioned doing that. And just jumping in right now with a group of guys with everything that they have going on at this time and need to get done. It, there's I just I just don't see I just don't see how they're going to how they're going to not be able to ride to that occasion. And I don't see I don't see Beast Mode having that much of an impact on the game. I just don't. Russell Wilson is still the guy you got to stop. Russell Wilson is still the guy that um, you have to keep in the pocket, be able to control what he does um, and and stop that. That's their best way. I don't see Seattle going into the game expecting Beast Mode to be the guy that's going to, you know, you know, carry them through. I just I just don't. The other interesting thing I thought Joe mentioned was if if these weren't big time games, Jadavion Clowney will probably be on IR. So oh, this okay. this core yeah. injury he's dealing with is extremely significant obviously if that's the case. Um, he had one of the single greatest performances I've seen this season on that Monday night yeah. um, at Levi's. And, and Joe Staley, God bless him, he, he, he had a tough time. Um, oh, how, that's what you're going to call it. <laughs> I mean, I don't they're just, they're just, they're I mean Joe, Joe's a hell of a player. We know that. Joe's a hell of a player, one of the best Niners to come through and wear the colors. But, but yeah, that was not his night. It he, wasn't his night at his, all. Oh, oh, no, he got his tail headed to him that night. It happens. So th- the adjustment there, um, well, let me, okay, let, let's, let me, let me, let, let, let's go back. Let's go back. If, okay, so you got Kittle, right? You got uh-huh. Kittle back. Kittle didn't mm-hmm. play that first game. Uh, yep. Emmanuel Sanders left early in the game, right? Remember yep. that, that was the night that they had the bad case yes. of, of the dropsies, and, and Jimmy, you know, he, he was off target. If he was on target, guys couldn't reel it in. Um, mm-hmm. So you had that going on, uh, on, on on the offensive side of the ball. And so th- it just it was just a, just a rough night altogether for them offensively, yet they still had a chance to win. And also – um, no Robbie Gold, right? So you had McLaughlin in there, Chase McLaughlin in there doing the kicking duties, right? Um, considering all of these things, which one could be the most prevalent or have the could be the most prevalent um, for the Niners coming up on Sunday night? Considering that, that they'll have all they'll have these things back, they'll have Gold back, they'll have Kittle back, um, and and hopefully a healthy Emmanuel Sanders. Which which one do you think pays the most dividends? Once it's all said and done on Sunday night, um, I I think having Staley just have because of the problems you've had with the interior of the offensive line, Staley has now and should should have now played himself into form. We would hope so, right? Yes. So, that but he hasn't there, looked great though. Like uh, even but that, recently, no. But yes, even you're, last you're week right, they gave up six sacks last week. As oh, a but team. He didn't give up all of them. He yeah, he didn't give up. up he didn't give up all of them. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if he had given up six, now we'd be having a completely different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But 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 if you have that, now it gives you an opportunity to start helping in other areas. So I think that right there is a, is a big thing. Kittle, don't, he's got to do what he does, but he doesn't get an opportunity to do that if the quarterback doesn't have an opportunity to actually stand in the pocket and do his job so that's why i still think it goes back if you can get your pro bowl tackle playing at a pro bowl level where he doesn't need um help that often uh, then it it changes things it significantly a lot changes the way you can now protect your quarterback so that's that's i think that's key and this is one of those games where you get to see where it is because the last time it wasn't pretty, and at all. Um, so that, so I, I think that that's something that I want, I want to pay attention to, and just see because because moving forward, that's going to be it. That's going to be a thing in the playoffs. You know I mean losing a center is big, huge. Yeah. So how so and so how do you help with that? How do you fix that? And and that's what I that's 
that's one way. If if Staley can get back to just taking a guy one on one, um, uh, that that right there means that you can you can do what you need to get done elsewhere. I think on the you flip it to the other side of the ball. No D Ford. Uh, he's likely going to be ruled out for this one. Not official yet. It looks like Tart's going to be a game time decision. Um, they had some success with the tight ends, uh, or with the tight end rather, uh, in the last game. Hollister, guy came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he's catching catching passes, and 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 uh, guy the, was able to get into the end zone. So obviously that's that's going to be something uh, to watch come Sunday night as well. Um, Cam Inman from the San Jose Mercury News. Uh, we had him on earlier this year, and yeah. um, he talked about. Uh, we had him on earlier this year, and we, we you know we talked we talked things Niners. He just came out with uh, the All Decade Team. You can find this one on uh, the Mercury News. It was the mm-hmm. the All the Forty Niners All Decade Team, and we don't have to go deep into this. Maybe may, depending on what happens, maybe we'll get into it later uh, next week. Um, but some interesting things on here that um, that that stuck out to me for. For coach, he had Harbaugh. Not really much of a surprise there. We consider the other coaches throughout the decade. Um, yeah. He had Jimmy G as the backup to Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. But Cap should be Cap is Cap, Cap should is be the, the all-decade quarterback yeah. for the four. If you look at the if you look at you know 2010 to now, um, there's no quarterback that um, has done any has re- remotely done what Cap did for the for the franchise. Yeah, um, and Frank Gore's a no-brainer. Frank Gore, yeah, Frank Gore. Frank, um, Frank Gore's a no-brainer. I would, I would, I would personally have Bruce Miller at the fullback position over Juice. I know, I I know that everyone everyone loves Juice, but um, Bruce Miller was, you know, that other fullback, the only one in the league at the time, and um, he helped get a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, the other, the other, the cornerbacks, Carlos Rogers and Richard Sherman. Surprised Sherman's on there? Um, yes, I would have gone. I think I would have gone with um, Carlos, and I would probably throw um, T Brown in there. T Brown, okay, yeah, I, I think he had he has T Brown and yeah, uh, K1 as yeah, the Sherm, backups. Sherm is, Sherm is all decade for the league. Sherm is. Sherm is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's all decade for, and you know, when they when they make the NFL All Decade team, he's going to be on that. But Sherm is not all decade for the Forty Niners. Yeah, I, I thought so, that I mean, was a little... so that that's that's the thing about it. That's when people get caught up and not to get on camera about that. That see, that's that Twitter thing. People get caught up in the now and what's going on. I mean, Sherm, I mean, this is really his first year in the uniform. Yeah. I mean, he, you know what I'm saying? He, so how, yeah, he, how he, he battled last year trying to come back yeah, from the so, injury. Yes, yeah, so I mean, so he he got hurt and he did his thing, and he wasn't even Sherm last year. He was still coming back from his injury, and now now we get you get the full Sherm, but Seattle had the full Sherm the entire decade. So yeah. he, and, and so that, like I said, we we know he's an all decade player, just not for this team. Yeah, very very Uh-oh. very interesting stuff here. Um, you you can check it out on on uh, the San Jose Mercury News. You can check it out. Cam Inman, his All Decade uh, San Francisco Forty ers team. Um, just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Maybe uh, who knows? Maybe we could get Cam on for him to talk about it um, later yeah. on. Uh, maybe next week. Uh, obviously, big fish to fry here, right? You're gonna be the number one seed, or you're gonna be the number five. You're gonna have home field advantage throughout, or not? Are you gonna have a buy or not? And and I know you don't think the buy is that important obviously I, I it, it's important from a health standpoint but let me just read this off to you and, and you can you guys at home listening or wherever you are you guys can can make your own uh judgments on it Niners have not had a bye since week four these are the rest of the playoff teams in the NFC that they'll be going up against in their bye week Packers their bye was week 11 Saints theirs was week nine Eagles had theirs in week 10 Vikings week 12 Seahawks week 11 and the Cowboys uh, were week eight. Um, obviously, Eagles and Cowboys both won't be in the playoffs, but you know either one of them will make it. Um, Niners haven't had a bye since week four. 
that is a little concerning for me, especially when you look at just how beat up this team is. Um, uh, and you know what? Right you see, I was I was just about to touch on something right there. So you say the Niners haven't had a bye since week whatever. Um, Joe Staley was on bye for a long time. Um, no, no, no. Listen, listen to me, Joe. Important people. Joe was on by for a long time. His body, he was going through an injury and everything, but it he was also able to get, you know, other type rest. He wasn't beating himself up in other places. D Ford rehabbing his legs, all this stuff. His body is resting in other ways. He's not taking the pounding and the bruising. Yeah, so we can go the last five. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I'm saying we can we can go across the board and you can see some of these things. Like you're you're starting to get guys back in the secondary. Guess what most important thing for a guy in the secondary? His his wills, man. And you've had, you know, Tart and Ward. They haven't been having to use their wills. That's what that's what matters if you can run. So uh, so you can so it's all in how you look at it and saying, well, they haven't had a buy. Well, I there, there have been some significant um, guys that have had time off in other ways. I mean, even even going back to Kittle. I, I, like, I know that, you, you, yes, you hurt your leg, you're rehabbing, things are coming back, and, and things have to mend, but the body's going to heal itself. But you're also not taking that pounding, that bruising, when you miss two, three weeks. Yeah. That, that, that's by time. So that's that's so it's it's that's the thing. It's all it's all in how you look at it. Now back to that buy that buy being important. Um, you know, I said earlier, do I think the Niners are built to go on the road and win? Yes. Absolutely. But of course you want the buy. So that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't I'm not gonna freak out if they don't have it. I don't think all is lost. There are some teams where you're like, all is lost if you don't get it. It's gonna be there's just no way. Where, where you can do that. The Niners are built to go anywhere and play. Um, but, of course, they need that buy. Of course, I'd like to see them have the buy. I'd love for, for those games to be played in Levi. It's time to get some history going there. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be on the line come Sunday night. The final game of the 100th regular season in the National Football League will be Niners at Seahawks. That'll be 5:15 local time on NBC, uh, Sunday night football. And number one seed will be on the line for the 49ers. And Seahawks, of course, going to going to be fighting for an NFC West crown as well. Um, but for the Niners, I mean, this is basically the first, uh, first NFC championship game of the season for them. Um, if, if, of course, they're able to advance. So, obviously, a huge game uh, coming up on Sunday night and in a place that has been somewhat of a house of horrors recently and, a place they have not won since 2011, but a big opportunity in prime time to be able to make a statement as they get ready to head into postseason play. Uh, special thanks to Joe Fan for coming on and joining us here this week to talk about the Seahawks. Joe brought it. Um, make sure you follow him at Joe underscore Fan. That's Fan with two N's. And uh, next time you hear from us, it may be 2020. So happy New Year! Be safe out there. Enjoy, uh, continue to enjoy your holiday season. Um, Ed, it's gonna be a yep. big one, man. It's gonna yep. be a big one. It's a big one. Oh, this this is gonna be fun, man. This is this is why you play. This is what it's all about. This is this is something that no one knew was coming. Of course, people will. You know, you love your colors and you hope and and you wish. And this is what every team starts off. This is the Cleveland Browns thought that they were gonna be here. <laughs> okay, and playing these, you know, really, they thought they were going to be here playing these type games. That's 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 what the new season brings. And now you are at the end with an opportunity to go to the party with the best seat in the house. Yeah. That's what you're playing for. Now you get to get the best seat at the party, and you couldn't ask for more. You couldn't ask for more than an opportunity to play that game. It doesn't even matter where you play it. You, if if someone says you get to play this game on the road against your division rival, the toughest division rival, you got to say, okay, let's skip to that part. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. 
So we'll we'll be right back here to break it down for you next week. Will we be talking about a bye, or will we be talking about the wild card round of the playoffs? Either way, we'll be previewing that next week. He is Super Bowl champion Eric Davis. I'm Rashawn Haylock. This is the Believe in 49ers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Enjoy your football weekend. Happy New Year, y'all. Be safe. Yeah, peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.